Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. In the 25 years that that I've been ministering um, with Christian Worship Center, uh, I've never preached a message about giving where it didn't picture God as a vending machine. Every single time I've preached about giving, as we talk about awakening, I've always made God look out as a vending machine. You put something in, hoping to get something out. And all the years, that's what I've always, I've, I've always thought I had to get people to recognize that when you give to God, how many know you get something back? Okay, thank you all. Just stop. That, that was pathetic. Okay? Just... Let me ask again, how many know that when you give to God, God gives back to you? But that's not why we should give. And yet all these years I've always spoken about giving an aspect of what we get in return. Today's not one of those messages. In fact, today I'm going to share just about how we need to give to God. Not because you get something back. I lost half of you right there. Because we live in a, in a society that wants something in return for what we give. I've seen ladies that stay in relationships because they put in too much time with that man. Oh, I've invested way too much with this guy. I ain't letting you go. I'm not letting you break up. You're not going anywhere because I've invested way too many years into you. We want something back. You know what I'm talking about? We want, and as soon as that thing doesn't give back anymore, then we're ready to get rid of it. But we want something to return when we give to it. You know what I'm talking about? So this morning, I'm going to, if you forgive me, I'm going to mess with you a little bit, okay? Stand with me as we turn to Psalms chapter 24. Are you ready? ready. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, I'm ready for the word. You see, awakening is a realization that I was created for something better. Amen? Amen. How, many, how many believe that you were created for something better? Amen. Amen? How many believe that you were created for something better than what you're experiencing right now? Amen. Then if you recognize that, you're ready for an awakening, honey. You're ready for an awakening when you realize that you were created for something better. Now, Psalms 24, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. It says, the earth is the Lord's. Everyone do this. Okay? Look at your neighbor that didn't move because they're too cool to do that in church. Tell him he's talking to you. Tell him right now, everyone, on the count of three, do this. Ready? One. No, I said on the count of three. Y'all don't listen. Church just don't listen. Count of three, we're going to do this. I'm trying to show you what we're going to do, all right? All right. You ready? One. Two. Said someone already jumping the gun back there. One, two, three. What did you just feel? Earth. How many know that belongs to God? Tell your neighbor it belongs to him. It's not mine. Okay, it goes on and says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everyone do this with me right now. 
Don't blow your bad breath in someone else's face. If you got a mint, hand it to the person next to you. Do it again. What you just did is something called breathing. Breathing air. How many know that air belongs to God? That air is not yours. It belongs to God. God lets you breathe his air. He lets you live on his earth. And so no matter if you are a self-made man or a self-made woman, there's no way you would have made yourself without the resources that belong to God. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Somebody say amen. amen. The world and all its people belong to him. That means even that color of skin that you don't like belongs to him. You know what? You got prejudice in the church. It shouldn't be. But some of y'all are prejudiced. You're prejudiced about a color of skin. Now, you know what? Minorities can be prejudiced. We can be prejudiced against white folk. He lives with me. <laughs> I got my white guy. <laughs> we could be prejudiced over a certain religious group. Come on, somebody. And so I need you to understand that that color that you might not be down for belongs to God. That religious group that you don't like belongs to God. You know, that, that gender-confused group that you don't like, they belong to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. If someone has everything, how much does someone else have? Come on, somebody. The world and its people belong to God. Pray with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're still speaking on awakening. Everyone say awakening. Awakening is a realization that you were created for something better. How many agree with that? Amen. That means, follow me on this, if you were created for something better, that means you were created. You good with that? How many of y'all came from monkeys? I know some of y'all look like monkeys. But... Coming from a monkey, see, this is the danger of evolution. The danger of evolution is this. Evolution says that there was a big bang. I believe in the big bang. The problem is the big bang was created by God. God created the bang when he said, let there be, boom. It happened. Because God's the creator of the bang. That bang created the world. But not the way the evolutionists say it. And see, the problem with evolution is it tries to eliminate that there is a God. And if we eliminate there is a God, then we eliminate the purpose by which mankind was created for. Don't get it twisted. There's a danger with evolution. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And so what am I telling you? We were created. All right? Everyone say that with me. I was created. And so... We were what was created by God belongs to God. 
You with me? Ray, you, you understand what I'm saying here? Are you sure? Are you connecting with me, man? All right. Just making sure. Because some people, they just kind of, they, they don't get it. They don't realize it, that you were created by God. And it's therefore, if God created you, then you belong to him. If I make something, it's mine. I make a cake, it's mine. Now, I'm a great cook. I didn't say good cook. I said great cook. And when I cook, I love to cook. And when I cook, you better believe it's mine. Don't touch my food without asking. It's mine. But I share it with my family because they're my family. You following me? What you create is yours. Right? I'm going somewhere with this. That makes, that, makes, that makes us believe that God is a king. How many agree that God is king? Yeah. All right? Everyone say this with me. God is king. Okay. Let me give you some scriptures that talk about God being king. For those of you that are skeptics in here. Okay? That God is king. It says, the last part of verse, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 15 says, The king of kings and the Lord of lords. How many know that he is the king of kings and Lord of lords? Amen? See, let, let me break it down to you. I always thought as a kid, when we said king of kings and lord of lords, I thought he was the king of the kings of the rulers of the earth. That's not what he's talking about. Do you realize that you're a king? Every one of you in here is a king. You're royalty. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that he made us both priests and kings unto our God. You're a king. You like that, huh? <laughs> Everyone, you're a king. Catch this with me. So when Jesus says, I am the king of kings, he is the king. We are all kings, and he is our king, which makes him the king of kings. <laughs> you like that royalty stuff, huh? See, I want you to capture this. When we talk about the fact that we are kings it literally means this, that we, God has a kingdom of kings. In fact, let me, let, me, let me explain it to you this way, all right? Lewis, stand up, man. Why? Because you're fine, okay? <laughs> He's like, well, you know that. <laughs> God made me in. And He's a king. He's, He's God, the king, okay? When God created the heavens and the earth, the heavens was God's kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. God created the kingdom. Every kingdom needs a king. God creates the heavens and the earth. God's ruling the heavenlies. Now, if God has a son, a king has a son, what's that, that son called? A prince. Prince principle. First. First in line to the throne. But as long as I stay next to the king in his kingdom, I remain a prince. The only way for me to be a king is for him to expand his territory. To expand and colonize another country, another land. And then send his son out to that land under his authority. Now I'm king. 
in this land. But when I go home, I'm a prince. When I go to my land, I'm king. When I go back home, I'm a what? When do I have more power? When I'm at home or when I'm in my land? When God created the heavens and the earth, he gave man dominion over a land called earth. And all we sing is when we all get to heaven. Don't want to get to heaven? You lose your dominion when you go back home. God created you to have dominion on earth. To be a king. To rule. To, to find yourself having dominion over these things. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang with me, okay? See, some of you are tripping already. What, what are you talking about? You were created as a king. And some of you are just waiting to die so you can get out of here. God sets you up as king. As royalty. Thank you, sir. Give him a hand. <laughs> Revelation 17, 14 says, And they shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the of kings. And so we go on to the next verse, 19, 16. He says, And this he hath vested on his thigh, a name written. Oh, come on, folks. Work with me here. King of kings and he is king of kings and Lord of lords. God is a king. And so with that in mind, let me give you some, some kingdom principles right now. Purpose principles. Everyone say purpose principles. Let me lay these down for you. There's eight of them. And if you're doing homiletics, I'm homiletically incorrect right now. Because in homiletics, you shouldn't have more than three, maybe five points. Okay? I got eight. Get over it. Okay? No, <laughs> number one, I want you to check this out. God is a God of purpose. God is a God of purpose. Everyone say that with me. God is a God of purpose. Everything God does, he does with a purpose. Everything God created has a purpose. God doesn't do anything without purpose. Understand that? Everything he does is with purpose. Second thing I want you to know, nothing in life is without purpose. Nothing around you is without purpose. What am I talking about? You know that ant you step on? That spider that you freak out in and then you kill it? The roaches running around the neighbor's house? <laughs> the rat that you see, kill it, get rid of it. I mean, those things that you think, oh God, why did you create this thing, has a purpose. Because everything, there's nothing in life without purpose. And so we've seen ecosystems thrown off because people have gotten there and killed off certain bugs, certain animals, certain plants. And as a result, the whole ecosystem gets off. Because everything God creates has a purpose and there's nothing in life without purpose. Okay? Thirdly, I want you to recognize is this. We don't know the purpose for everything. Okay? There's some things we just don't know what the purpose is. You know... Like, ladies, the hair under your arms that you always shave? <laughs> Unless you're European, excuse me. Unless you're European. <laughs> you just let the pits grow, you know? <laughs> I mean, like the hair on your arm, what's it for? There, 
You know what? I, I shared this with the first service. Like, as men get older, we get hair growing out of our ears. I'm just... I told my wife that when I start losing hair, I'm going to let the ear hair grow and then do the comb over. <laughs> so we don't know the purpose for everything, but God does create everything with the purpose. Amen? Fourth thing I want you to understand is this, is that where there is the purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Grab a hold of this. I need you to look up on the screen and read this because I can't have you miss this point. This is foundational for everything we're going to go through today is that where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know the purpose of something, you will abuse it. Abuse comes from two English words, abnormal use. And let me put it this way to you. When God created the heavens and the earth, he looked, he created a plant called marijuana. Oh, someone into blessing back there already. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yeah, Pastor. <laughs> Glory. I'm hungry right now, too. <laughs> Everyone's looking back like I really, like there really is a person back there that said that. God created a plant called marijuana. God created another plant called the coca plant, where we get cocaine from. Bro, you got to stop smiling, man. What's going on? God created another thing that you have to mix some resources together called alcohol. God created all these things. And after he created it, follow me, he said, it is good. Someone back to praise God, I came to church today. Yeah. <laughs> I feel liberty, pastor. I feel the glory. <laughs> follow me on this. Everyone read number four. Where the purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. God said when he created it, it is good. The problem is when we don't know the purpose of the marijuana plant, we don't know the purpose of the coca leaf, if we don't know the purpose of alcohol, we as human beings end up abusing abnormal use of something that God created for good, we end up abusing it. Oh man, you can do a whole lot better than that. See, because when you don't know the purpose of something, you abuse it. You mess it up. And so you take that, you take that coca leaf, and you know, some of you right here, I say, oh God, I can't believe pastor's talking about cocaine in church. Listen to me, I'm not talking about cocaine, I'm talking about a leaf. You take that leaf, and you put it in the hands of a medical professional. And he takes it, and he extracts the chemical from it. Many of you, if you've ever had surgery, have had cocaine. So don't get all spiritual and religious and start calling people down that have abused it. Okay? Follow me on this. I'm going somewhere. The doctor takes it, he manipulates it, and uses it for its created purpose. And it brings healing and it brings health 
to someone in the midst of surgery. You take that same plant, put it in the hands of a drug dealer, now it's abused. The earth is neutral. It's not good or bad. It's the influence on the earth that determines whether that product, that resource, is good or bad. It's knowing the purpose. So let me take this a step farther. For those of you single women, listen to me. If you don't know what the purpose of a husband is, don't get married. Because if you don't know what the purpose of a man is, you're going to end up abusing him. Touch something over there. Let it go. Let it go. See, if you don't realize the purpose, young man, of a woman, you're going to end up abusing that young lady. You're going to use her up for sex. You're going to sex her up. You're going to take what you can from her. And then you're going to walk away. Because until you recognize the purpose of what that woman, what that man is all about, you will abuse the very thing that God created for purpose. Let me take you a step farther, okay? Let me, let me break this down maybe a, le- a little deeper. If you, you don't know the purpose of your pastor. You don't know the purpose of the church. You don't know what the church is for. All of a sudden, you abuse the church. What are you talking about? You're here to minister to me. You're here to take care of my needs. No, I ain't. You're here when I'm sick. You come visit me at the hospital. No, I don't. You're here when I need money. I call the church and you guys bless me. Uh Uh-uh. You got it twisted. What's my job? You take a look at the word of God in the book of Ephesians that I am a gift to you. That he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the edifying of the saints for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. What's my job? I'm here to equip you that when someone's sick, you go visit them. When someone has a need, you meet the need. That's what my job is. But if you don't realize that, you abuse us. By the way, today is Pastoral Appreciation Day, and I don't feel very appreciated. You know? That's just, uh, I'm really upset right now. I don't feel like preaching anymore. I just realized that. Someone just texted me and told me, today's Pastor's Appreciation Day. For you, maybe. (laughs) Not for us. Yeah, well, we're already coming up to the 15th. I feel like one of those birthday boasters right now. (laughs) We make fun of the... Our staff makes fun of birthday boasters, people that are all over the place. My birthday's coming up next week. My birthday month is coming. <laughs> when you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will abuse that thing. If you don't know the purpose of money, you abuse it. You don't realize that money is to build the kingdom, you try to build your own. When you don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. 
Number five. Still with me? If you want to know what the purpose of a thing is, don't ask the thing. If you want to know what the purpose of something is, you don't ask the thing what your purpose is. See, understand something. These things produce sound. Let me find it. What are you created for? Wait, wait. Listen. You know what? Maybe. Can, can we turn the monitor up a little, Bill? Maybe it can't hear. Okay. What are you created for? Nothing. Okay, let, let's try the stand. Stand. What are you created for? Hey, it's in, in church every Sunday right in front of you guys. So that he helps me every... What are you created for? He's a little shy. <laughs> you never ask a thing what it was created for. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you go to the creator. If I want to know what this is, I go to the designer of this thing and ask them what it's for. If I want to know what this is for, I go to the designer to ask him what it's for. How many of you have ever used a knife as a screwdriver? Every hand went up right there. Why? Knife wasn't created to do it. It can get the job done, but it wasn't created for that. And some of us are doing things that you're getting the job done, but you weren't created for that. Number six, purpose is only found in the mind of the creator or of a thing. See, manufacturers know parts. The abilities, the limitations of something, and only the, the manufacturer has the ability to tell us what, what, what works and what doesn't and so forth. So let, let me go on because I'm taking some time here. Number, number seven, the purpose is the key to fulfillment. How many of you have ever opened a box and the first thing you open in the box, you see that little manual, that little instructions. As soon as you open the box, there's this paper sitting in front of you. That little booklet that you pick up and says, read this before usage. And you toss it to the side. <laughs> and then you just start pulling the parts out and trying to figure it out and put it all together. See, the manufacturer put that in. The mind of the creator isn't standing next to you. And so what he does is he puts a little book together. Come on, somebody. A little manual. And he puts it together for you that when you get the product and you open it up, it gives you the design, the purpose, and the limitations of this item. We have something called the Bible that the creator gave us to break down what our purpose is, what our limitations are, and what our warranty is. And without the purpose, when you, do, when you use the thing for the wrong purpose, it will malfunction. I got so many knives in our drawers that are bent at the top. Now I cut crooked pieces of meat. 
because we kept on using them as screwdrivers. You will damage something when you don't use it for the purpose. Last thing I want to share is this. Okay? The creator always places his image on a thing. Creator always places his image on a thing. The shirt you have on right now, in fact, even this right here, what's that? You got them on your shirt too. Dude, you match, man. Heckin' nice. See your shoes? Dude, you fly, man. I want to grow up and be like you. You matching everything, man. I never had a shirt that matched a jacket. Same maker. That check this out. The, 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 the owner will the creator will always put his image, his mark on something. Whose image is this? Doesn't even say its name, but you know who it is. Why? Image. Whose image is this? Mercedes, there's no name on it. You see the symbol because the symbol, its image, the creator placed his image on it. What image is this? We know it's an apple. It's a symbol of Apple. Why? Why is that? Because that it, there's no name on it, but the logo. It is the image that the manufacturer stamped into it. Whose image is this? Yeah. It shows. It, 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 it identifies. It, it, it comes into communication of the image is placed on something. And I need you to understand that when God created you and I, when you and I were created, He placed His image. He placed His stamp. He identified you. When Jesus held up the coin to the Pharisees and they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? He says, give me a coin. Anyone have, any, anyone have a 20 here? All the, all the broke folk in the front row. Thank, thank you. Anyone have another one? He holds it up. He gets the coin from them, but I, I wanted more than a coin. He holds it up and he says, whose image is on this? You look at the image of our money. It has the image of the United States of America. In those days, the coins had the image of the Caesar. He was the one that created the money, had it printed out, and they literally stamped their image on it. When Jesus took the coin, he says, whose image is on this? And they replied, Caesar's. And Jesus responds and is teaching them a powerful principle when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's because his image is on it. Give to God what is God." Because my image is on you. Yeah. Take me to lunch later. In fact, you know what? Do me, do me a favor. Just, I forgot to do this a little earlier. Turn your attention to the screen. Check this out. He's our king. 
The Creator places His stamp on you. That's my King. That's my King. But I shared with you at the beginning of this message that I was going to share with you a little different avenue of giving. See, an awakening is an awakening to understanding who we are. Created for something better, but I've been created by a King. You belong to a kingdom. 
But too many times I've made our king to be a vending machine that I put something in only to get something out. That's not my king. My king will bless you, but that's not what he's all about. I want you to just real quickly to look. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 tells the story of the three kings, the three wise men coming to a baby by the name of Jesus. They know and they hear through the stars that even creation spoke that a king above all kings was about to be born. And they were able to read through creation. See, God's glory speaks through creation. All the stars even lined up that they were able to read and say, a king is about to be born. They were an ungodly people that still were able to tell that creation was saying, he's coming. And he's close. So they go looking for him. And as they go looking for him, they go prepared. Everyone say prepared. You know, too many times we come searching for our king unprepared. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. I want you to notice that the child he's talking about here, Jesus is about two years old. He's not an infant in a, in a manger. So our pictures of, of the three wise men showing up at Christmas at the manger, Jesus wasn't, they didn't meet there. It's later on. Jesus is about one or two years old at this time. Okay? The, the Greek word for child means infant or, or toddler. And so, uh, not, a, not a baby, not a, a, little, a little baby. The word is used child. So Jesus is, is probably even walking around. But how do we know that? Is that when Herod decided to go and kill all the babies, he chose two years old and under. Because he figured that time period that that, that child was going to be born. Follow me on this. That, that, that was for free, okay? <laughs> Saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down. Everyone say bowed down. And worshiped him. I need you to understand there is a position we must be in to enter his presence. He's our king. You don't walk into a king's place. What up? There's a certain protocol when you walk into the presence of a king. They opened their treasures. Everyone say treasures. And gave gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I need you to understand this. I'm going to be very quick from this point on. Number one, I want you to recognize this. Is that when you enter the presence of a king, a giving is protocol. You missed it. We already established we belong to a kingdom. We established that we have a king. When we gather here, we're entering into the presence of a king. And you're never to enter into the presence of a king empty-handed. When we enter the presence of our king, we have to bring something. Giving's expected. And never do you show up to royalty empty-handed. See, I need you to understand that giving is a sign of respect. When, when the queen of Sheba showed up to King Solomon, she brought all kinds of spices. She brought all kinds of gifts. And throughout the word, whenever they entered in the presence of royalty, you always brought something. Listen, when we come into the presence of our father, when we come into the presence of our king, we are expected to bring something into the kingdom, bring something as a sign of respect to our king. Is he your king or not? You see, it's not the amount that you give, but how much it costs you. It's not the amount that you give, but how much it costs you. Isaiah, have you ever had a birthday? Yeah, stand up real quick. 
How old are you? Ten. Ten. Are you sure? So say it like you know you're ten years old. How old are you? Ten. Okay. Ten. <laughs> what's the biggest? What's the biggest uh, birthday gift you've gotten in cash? Or do you have an allowance? No allowance? It's because you don't do no chores, huh? Can't get paid unless you do some work, man. Oh, y'all live at the hotel. You got maids taking care of everything for you right now, huh? I've been there. You live there too, so. What, what's, what's a good gift that you've received in cash? 20 bucks? Wow. If Isaiah gets a $20 gift, and he gives that $20 to God, That $20 is a lot of money to him. The 20 he gives isn't like the 20 that you are going to give away. Because it's not the amount of the gift. It's what it costs you. And for a little kid to give 20 bucks, he's given his all. He's given the world. I'm giving a video game away. Following me? But for us, what we give, giving is a sign of respect to the king. Thank you, Miho. You can sit down. Secondly, I want you to recognize that the gift that you give must fit the king. Whatever you give, it fits the king that you're giving to. See, giving reflects what you feel about a person. See, at Christmas time, I love to give gifts. Giving gifts is one of my, my, my love languages. I love to give gifts. And when Christmas time comes around, my babe is spoiled. My girls are spoiled, but my wife is going to get spoiled more than anyone. Why? Because she means more to me. She was here before the kids. I love, my, I love my baby girls, but I tell them all the time, baby, I love you, but without your mom, you wouldn't be here. And once you're gone, we'll just make another. So she's going to get the blessing. She's going to get the best that I can give. Why? Because it reflects how I feel about her. The gift reflects what you think. And so someone that just comes in, if I give you a card and it has nothing in it, it doesn't mean I don't think about you, but the fact I gave you something says where we're at in our relationship. Are you following me? So your gift must fit the king. The three kings reflected their opinion of this child called Jesus by going out, emptying out their bank accounts of gold and bringing it all to a baby by the name of Jesus because he was a king. Taking all the frankincense out and laying it before a king. All the myrrh and taking it before the king saying this, because we believe that you're valuable. You're not just a king, you're the king of kings. See, it's not the dollar amount of your gift. Listen to me. It's the value you place on the king. With that in mind, I I, got to ask you a question right now. What does your gift say about your king? What you give, what's it say about the king that you serve? 
Why do I give so much? Why do I give what I have? Because it's not mine. And I've learned long ago that I can't outgive God. But I give because Book of Malachi says this. Check this out. In fact, go back to the other screen, the, the previous one. If I am your father and your master, where is the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. And the people are like, what do you mean? How have, we, how have we disrespected you as a father, as our king, as our God? How have we disrespected you? God says this, is when you've given me blind animal animals and sacrifices, isn't that wrong? They were giving things that were broken down, that were sick. The leftovers, they were bringing it for sacrifice. And the priests were taking it and offering it to God. I need you to understand that whatever we give has to be the best. Whatever we give has to show value of the king. Good Lord Almighty. What does your gift say about him? 2 Corinthians, worship team, if you would help me. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, You must decide in your heart how much you will give. I can't tell you how much to give. I know God has set the, the, the tithe. But this isn't even about tithe. You know in the Jewish community, they had a tithe of their, of their wages. Then they had a tithe of the festivals. Then they had extra giving for offerings, and so forth. Do you realize that the tithe for a Jewish, average Jewish person, a faithful Jewish person, was usually about 27%? And we freak out with 10. Let let me take it a step further. If I give you, I'm going to give you a million dollars right now. Oh, hallelujah. Someone fill fill in the glory. (laughs) I'm going to give you a million dollars right now. But in order to give you that million, you have to make sure you give me back a hundred thousand. All y'all, I'm down with that, Pastor. I'll do it. Ain't no, ain't no. You look like a bobblehead the way your head was saying, "Yeah, I'll take, I'll take that deal." Why? Because you ain't got nine hundred thousand right now. You'll take it, and so you have no problem giving that ten. Do you know everything you make is what God has given to you? Well, I don't make what I want, Pastor Daniel. The reason is, is because you haven't acknowledged him as king yet. And he's saying, whatever you, I give to you, I just want ten back. That's the bottom. That, that's, the, that's the bottom. That's the base. But we're too busy building our own kingdoms. We're trying to get at the labels. You're trying to put yourself with a Nike. We're trying to put the Mercedes. We're trying to put this and that. It's not wrong to have those things. But when you put those labels on without first having the label of God on you, you're totally off. Well, I can't pay my tithe, Pastor Dan. I got to pay my insurance on my Mercedes. You wonder why you're broke. Because you're the king of that kingdom. And when you're the king of your kingdom, you're responsible. Let me rephrase that. You are calling on your own power, resources, and abilities. When you belong to his kingdom, you call on his power, 
his abilities and his resources. Let me close this up right now. You guys ready? Come on, guys. Get on out there. All y'all, all y'all, come on. Your gift acknowledges the king's ownership. Everything in the kingdom belongs to the king. We've established the king's in charge, right? It's his kingdom. Everything in the kingdom belongs to the king. It's his. Okay, let me put my house. It's not my house. It's his kingdom. It's his. My car. It's not my car. It's his. The clothes, the resources, all belong to him. I'm just a steward of what belongs to him. It's all his. And when I'm faithful with his things, guess what? He puts me ruler over much. I get more things. But as long as I don't get it twisted and act like it's mine. It's his. It's his. It's my king. It's his. Your giving acknowledges that he owns it. Young people, learn this lesson now. Don't get all jacked up like your parents are. Get it done now. Recognize as a child now that it all belongs to God. And if you get it done now and you recognize and you're easy to, you get your, your birthday gift and you give to God, when you do it as you're young, you're not going to have any problem when you get older. Because you already acknowledge it belongs to God. Giving is always a test. 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 I don't ever remember a time where it was easy to give above and beyond. Every time I write that check, I'm like, oh, Lord. As I'm giving it, I'm giving it cheerfully, but I'm like, God, I got so many bills that I, this can go to right now. You know, shoot, we only got one car. I need another car. See Pastor Ant driving up in his BMW. I'm like, God, I need a car. Been driving around in one car for the past six years. I, listen, and I'm not saying that because I'm trying to get you to feel sorry for me. We've made decisions because we're trying to get ahead. We've made some choices to try to get ahead. And so we're trying to be wise in those decisions. But what I'm telling you is this, is that we're recognizing it's not our resources to spend. It's his. What you give reflects your worth ship to God. How you give reflects your worship to God. And you know that when you give, it puts pressure on the king. You missed that part. That was a good one. Let me come over here. When you give, you put pressure on your king. See, what, what I mean by that is that when you give, how many of you ever have, have been given a picture, um, a nice gift, something that you're, you have it in your house, it's displayed that someone gave you something? So every time you pass that thing, you remember that person. We have this, this decorative bowl that sits going up our stairs at our house. And Sister Rhonda Falcone and Brother Jim Falcone gave that to us. And every time I come down the stairs, I say a prayer for them. 
because I remember what they gave us. I remember, I see that in there. I walk in my living room, I got a picture of shoebox, of all the artists in shoebox and everything. And when I see that, I say a prayer for them. I walk into my living room, there's a picture there that BJ took. And so it's on my wall in, in where, where, my, where, where I watch the Raiders lose. And I walk in there and I see this picture. And so I say a prayer for them while I'm praying for the Raiders to, as well. So I, I say a prayer. It brings remembrance. Every time our dog, Nala, comes running in the house, it was Celeste that brought the dog to the church and said, does anyone want this dog? And so every time I see this dog, I think of Celeste and I say a prayer for her. Why? Because your gift puts pressure on a king. (laughs) Giving is a gift that opens doors. It gives access to the most important people, the book of Proverbs says. I'm sorry, I've gone way too long. I can't believe I went this long this morning. Please forgive me. But as we close, if you need to leave, God bless you. But as we close this morning, I don't know about you. I'm tired of giving an expectation of receiving. Can we move to the next level? Can we get to another level, CWC? Can we put this giving thing, it's basic. Can we put that behind us and put things in proper perspective? You're a giving church. You have been faithful. I love our church. You guys are amazing. But I believe that we got to grow up in this area. And we can't. We got to stop tipping God. And we got to recognize he's our king. He's our king. He's our king. And that we come into his presence prepared to offer something to our king. One week you walk in, you don't have any money. I'm not talking about money. Notice the position of the kings as they presented themselves before Jesus. They gave Jesus their hearts before they gave him their treasure. Is he your king? Is he your king? CWC, is he your king? Is he your king? Not mine, yours. Is he your king? This king, is he your king? And so this week, you prepare yourself. And when you come in, you might not have money to give that week. But when you come in, you've had a headache. You've had a struggle. You've had a a problem all that week. I walk in and I say this. You're worth more to me than the trouble I went through this week. And I'm bringing you a sacrifice of praise right now because you're my king. get this thing, let's get it handled. If we're ever going to get our facility, get our property, we got to get the basic taken care of first. We can't take dominion in the area of land and property until we first get our kingship relationship with God handled. Amen? Amen? Stand with me. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, 
visit us at www.cwcsj.org.